We are on Chagiga Yagimel Omer Aleph in the middle of the page. In the Arts School Gemara, we're on 13A3 on the second column. We just finished uh, the last recording from a statement from Rabbi Ami. Rabbi Ami said that you're not allowed to transmit Sisrei Torah, the secrets of the Torah, the various ideas that we're discussing, the Maisa Merkava, the chariot of God, the throne of God, unless it's to somebody who has the following five attributes, the following five qualities, if they are above the age of 50, respected, an advisor, a teacher, uh, somebody who has depth to them, they understand the deep ideas, deep concepts. And that was the statement of Rabbi Ami. The Gemara now is going to go on a one-line tangent to quote another different statement from Rabbi Ami, also within the context of teaching, what you are not allowed to teach to certain people. And it's a very interesting line. The Gemara says, Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami says, In most kuchavim. You are not allowed to teach Torah. A Jew cannot teach Torah to a non-Jew. What's the source for this? Shene'amar. The Pasuk says, the verse says that He did not do so for any other nation. They did not know the laws. Because they did not know, it says that they did not know the laws, referring to the non-Jews. It is a prohibition, seems to be a rabbinic prohibition. This is a, a verse not found in the Torah itself, but it's found in, um, in Tehillim in the Psalms. So, it seems to be a rabbinic prohibition, although some say that it is a biblical prohibition, to teach a non-Jew Torah. Now, the truth is is that there's another statement from the Talmud in a different place in the Talmud, not in Chagiga, but in a different tractate, that (coughs) deals with this also. And it says there that it's not about teaching it to a non-Jew, but it says that a non-Jew cannot study on their own they're not allowed to study Torah on their own. And he gives two different reasons, or two different sources. The verse says that the Torah is a morasha kihilas Yaakov, that it is an inheritance to the Jewish people. It's something that we own. And so the, the Gemara there says that for a non-Jew to study Torah, it's stealing the precious gift that the Jewish people have. The Jewish people have this, this is theirs. And so therefore for a non-Jew person, for a non-Jew to study the Torah would be a form of gezel, a form of stealing. And then in the same verse, there's another way to read the word. It says, Ma'orasa kihilas Yaakov, that we are engaged to the Torah. And so therefore, for a non-Jew to study the Torah, so then that would be a, a form of, uh, of gili arayas, of an illicit relation, because we are engaged, we're married to the Torah. And so for somebody else to engage in the Torah, to study the Torah would be a violation of Gili Arayos, of, of, of removing the Torah from, from the Torah's spouse. Um, and those are the two reasons that are given. Those are the sources. The Rishonim, the early commentators, give various reasons behind this ruling. One explanation is that we don't want to confuse who is a Jew and who is a non-Jew, and that if the non-Jew is studying Torah, so then people will get confused as to who is the Jew and who is the non-Jew. That is... One explanation that is given. Another explanation that's given is that the non-Jews have their Sheva Mitzvahs in Enoch. The non-Jews have their own seven laws. They have their seven laws that they have to observe, they have to keep. And the Jews have 613. And so the Rambam, Maimadi, says this. He says that 
the non-Jews should not add on more than what they have. They should study their seven laws, but for them to study beyond that is not following. They're not Jewish, and they're not following what the non-Jews should follow. They're just they're in neither place of following the 613 mitzvahs or of following the seven because they're adding on. He says the same thing when it comes to the laws of Shabbos. They should not observe Shabbos because it's not one of their own seven. And if they add on more, so then they're not they're not following the rules of what non-Jews should observe. The non-Jews have their own relationship with Hashem through their seven mitzvahs. The seven commandments uh, to, uh, that they should observe uh, from Hashem, and they're not—they're doing more than what's than what they're commanded. So they're—they're they're not following the seven, and they're not following the six hundred thirteen. They're not becoming Jews, and that's what the Rambam says. So that's a different passage in the Talmud, and now we have this statement which says that you cannot transmit in the in the, in the other passage in the Talmud, not in Chagiga. It's not discussing discussing teaching a non-Jew. It just says that. A non-Jew cannot study, presumably on his own. Over here we have a statement in our tractate which says that you're, you're also not allowed to teach it. You can't transmit it to a non-Jew, the Torah. And so there's a big discussion amongst the commentators. Why do we need both passages? What, are, what is each one coming to add? And so just to give a, a, a brief, a few different explanations behind this. One explanation is that the other passage, which is found in a different tractate, he uses the language of osik to delve into it, that the non-Jew could, on his own, he could, just from that other passage alone, just study the laws, the basic laws, what are the principles, the laws, but to delve into it. The word osik is to delve into it, to study it in depth from all the sources, the reasoning behind it, and to have a, a bigger, understand, a, a deeper understanding of the laws that they cannot do because that's something which was designated only to the Jewish people. And then comes our Gemara, according to some commentators, and says that we're not allowed to teach them even the basic laws. Again, these are outside the seven mitzvahs that they have to observe, but anything outside of that, we're not allowed to even teach them uh, the basic laws. Uh, there are other explanations that are given. Some say that the other Gemara is referring to the written Torah. This is referring, referring to the oral Torah. But in the end of the day, both of them are are prohibited, you're not allowed to teach them Torah. Now, there's a big discussion whether we paskin, do we do we follow this Gemara, this Gemara which says that you're not allowed to teach a non-Jew Torah, is this how we how we uh, hold in the end of the day as, as halacha, is this really what the halacha is? Now, most say that this is what the, this that we do follow this halacha, they say that you're not allowed to teach a non-Jew, there are some that say that you are allowed to. They have various proofs for this. But in the context of where you have a non-Jew, let's say, at the Seder table, unfortunately, uh, we have different situations of intermarriage, and you could have situations where a non-Jew is at your Seder table on Pesach, and so are you allowed to discuss the Haggadah in that context? Or if you're giving a class, a public class, and there's a non-Jew at that class, are you allowed to do that? So this is also a discussion, which we will probably also discuss on, on, at the Shabbos class here in Vancouver. But Ramosha Feinstein discusses this as well, and he says that it, it is permissible because if your kavana, your intention is to teach the Jews in the class, the Jews that are around the Seder table, so then it's fine if the non-Jew is also listening and paying attention to it, if your intention is really to have your primary focus on the Jews that are at the table or in the class. Okay. That is the statement of Rabbi Ami. Moving on to 13a4 in the Gemara. So the Gemara goes back to the discussion of the Maisa Merkava, the 
the image of Hashem and his chariot. Come, I'm going to teach you about the Maisa Merkava. Rabbi Yochanan knew about the, the Maisa Merkava, about this chariot of Hashem. Let me teach it to you. Amalei Rabbi Lezer said to him, no, lok shai, I'm not old enough, or I don't have the right mindset, according to Rashi. Kikoshba, when he got old enough and he had the right mindset, noch nafshed to Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan already died by that time. So Amalei Rabbi Rabbi then said to Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi is a student of Rabbi Yochanan. So he, after Rabbi Yochanan died, he tells Rabbi Lezer, let me teach it to you now. Let me teach it to you. So Amalei Rabbi Lezer says to him, no, Izakai, if I was really, really merited, if I was fit to, to learn it, to study this, so then then I would have learned it from Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan would have stayed alive to teach me this. But the fact that he died shows that I'm really not fit for this and I cannot study it from, from you. Okay. There's, we have another incident with regards to the study of the Maes and Merkava, this, uh, this image of the chariot of God, Rav Yosef had a gomer by Meisim Merkava. Rav Yosef was a rabbi who, who he understood, he mastered this topic of the Meisim Merkava. Sabbath of Pumbedisa have a ton of Meisim Bereshis, but the elders of Pumbedisa they studied the Meisim Bereshis, the the aspects that we were discussing in last week's recording of the creation of the world. So they had a deal. Amar Le, the elders of Pumbedisa said to Rav Yosef, "Ligmar Lan Mar Meisim Merkava, you should teach us what you know about." The mice and recover of the chariot of God, and Amalei Rav Yosef said to them, "Amalei, mice and bracious, you teach me mice and bracious about the creation of the world." So that's what they did. Basar the Agmon, so he taught it to them, and then Basar the Agmon, Amalei. After they finished, these elders finished teaching Rav Yosef about the creation of the world. So they said to him, "Ligmon Mar be mice and recover." So teach us now about the mice and recover. So <laughs> he says back to them, Amalei Rav Yosef says to them. No, I can't teach you the Maisim Merkava. This is after they they taught him Maisim Bracious about the creation of the world. He says, no, I can't teach you about the image of the chariot of God. Tanina Buhu, we have, we, we have, it's taught in a Brisa from the time period of the Mishnah, Devash Vechalav Tachas Lashonich, that honey and milk are under your tongue. That these things, honey and milk, which is what uh, he says, this is what the Maisim Merkava is referring to, is is referred to as honey and milk here. That things that are as sweet as honey and milk have to remain under your tongue. I'm not allowed to repeat it. Now, but they had a deal originally. They had a deal that Rav Yosef would teach them Maisa Merkava and they would teach him about Maisa Bracious, about the creation of the world. And it seems like Rav Yosef is backing out of the deal. But the commentators explain that it's not that he was backing out of the deal. But rather, when he saw, when they were teaching him about Maisa Bracious, about the creation of the world... He understood that they were not fit to to study the Maisa Merkava, these these issues of the the chariot, this image of the chariot of Hashem. And so after studying with them, he understood that he cannot teach it to them, and so therefore he refrained from teaching it to them. The Gemara compares honey and milk, or the Maisa Merkava, this image of the chariot of Hashem to honey and milk. Why make that comparison specifically to honey and milk? So one explanation is that honey milk honey and milk are good when you have a little bit of it, but not too much. If you have too much of it, so then it gives you a stomachache. So, so too, when it comes to the Maisa Merkava, these topics, it's okay for you to have a little bit, but to have too much of it, so then that is not okay. Let us read one more line, and then we'll we'll add a little bit. Rabbi Avo, Omar Mehacha, Rabbi Avo says that, it's, that there's another verse which says that you shouldn't teach these topics. Uh, it says, Kavasim l'levushacha, 
the lambs should be your clothing, literally, but they expound on this to say, The word lamb, if you change it from a sin to a shin, it means the mysteries, the mysteries of the world, the the mysteries of the world should remain under your clothes. You shouldn't repeat them to others. So we have these two stories of Rebelozer not wanting to learn it because he's not old enough, or the story of Rav Yosef not teaching it, even to the elders of Pumadis who understood the creation of the world, the, the depths of the creation of the world, but not teaching them about the chariot. So these are two stories which seem to imply that this is really not for uh, most people. It's really it's limited. The, those that should study Kabbalah, these concepts, these esoteric concepts, should be limited to a select few. Even these great rabbis, they wouldn't study it. So, in terms of, first, in terms of the age... It seems to be that it's the, the age of 50. This is something that we pointed out, I believe, in the last recording, that until you reach the age of 50, you shouldn't study it. There are opinions which say 40, and the source for 40 is that it says, Arbaim Labina, that once you reach the age of 40, it says in our, the ethics of our fathers, that 40 is the age of wisdom. You reach the age of 40, now you have wisdom, so that's the age to study it. It seems from our Gemara that it's really the age of 50. One of our classic commentators, the Maharsha, says that we see from these stories that you shouldn't really study Kabbalah. You shouldn't study these esoteric ideas. And he says, certainly if these esoteric ideas have nothing to do with the Maisim Merkava, with the chariot of God, just other esoteric ideas, those other esoteric ideas are not found anywhere. They're not found in the Mishnah, they're not found in the Gemara, they're not found in other rabbinic sources. So certainly you shouldn't study those. So he seems to be taking the opinion, which many take, that we really shouldn't publicize these Kabbalah study groups and of these Kabbalah centers it's really, it's really not to be studied. The Rambam Maimonides has a very strong language about this. He says, I say that a person shouldn't delve into these topics. I'm translating it into the English. Unless you have somebody who's been full of, first, the meat and the wine. What is meat and wine referring to? It's referring to all the laws, that which is permissible, that which is forbidden. Uh, all the other mitzvos. And you have to delve into the, you have to be full of that, you have to know that and master that first. You have to know that in its entirety before you could even begin to start delving into these other topics, these esoteric topics. And so there are many who who say that you should not uh, study these topics. It has become more popular of late. And even amongst uh, those that are that understand that you, sh- you shouldn't delve into them, there are some groups who say... There's some Hasidic groups who say that after the year 6,000 in the Jewish uh, in the Jewish year, after the year 6,000, so approximately a little less than 800 years ago, it changed. Things changed, and things that became that were hidden should now be revealed. It should be made to the public. Uh, so there are groups that that follow that opinion, but there are definitely many who say that that we should that the the masses should not study this, and it really should be left to very, very specific individuals. Okay, let's go on in the Gemara. The Gemara says, Amrule, they, they return back to the incident with the elders of Pumadisa talking to Rav Yosef, and the elders of Pumadisa tell Rav Yosef, you should know, you're not going to teach it to us, but we, we already studied part of it. Tanin Buhu Ad Vayomar Eli Ben Adam. They say that we already studied the the verses of the Maisa Merkava, of the this image of the chariot, up until the verse of Ayomer Eli ben Adam. This, these are these are verses which are found in the book of Yechaskel of Ezekiel. So Amr Lehu Rav Yisr said to them, "Well, if you already learned it, 
So then that's a lot. Hain hain maisa merkava. These two verses, these are you've studied the essence of the maisa merkava. Turning to thirteen a five. So Rav Yosef seemed to imply that that some of those verses were part of the 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 image of the charity of God, and this is now being challenged. Maisa we challenge this from a brisa. A brisa is from the time periods of the Mishnah. It says, Ad Merkava. What is, until what point are the verses of the Maisa Merkava it, when it describes it in the, in the verses in Yechaskal? So they had different opinions. Rabbi Omer Ad Vaira Basra until a certain point in the in in that chapter. Rabbi Yitzchak Omer Ad Hashmal until Hashmal, a different, another point. But either way, it does not include most of the last two verses are not part of the Maisa Merkava, which is, Rav Yosef just said that it was included in the Maisa Merkava. So the Gemara explains, Ad Veira Magmarinon, until Veira, until a certain point, you could teach. Mikam Veilach Masrinon Rosh Prakam. After that, you're not allowed to teach, you can only give chapter headings. Ekadamri, another explanation is Ad Veira Masrinon Rosh Prakim until Veira, until a certain point, you could transmit just the general idea. Mikam Veilach Imulchacham Ebim Midaito in Ilolo. But from then on, you can only give it over to somebody who really fully comprehends. And only to such a person. Could you pass on these? Um, could you transmit these ideas too? The Gemara then asks, with regard to, all within this context of what you could study these 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 specific words. They say, are we re- are we really allowed to expound the word, the specific word chashmal, which is found in this image of the chariot of God? They say, There was a child who expounded on that word, and the fire emerged from that word and consumed him. It was so dangerous. So the Gemara says, no, we are allowed to expound upon it, but to have a child, to a child who's not of sufficient age yet, they haven't matured to study these topics. You have to be very careful. If you're not of the proper age, proper mindset to study these topics, you're not fit to study these topics, so then it can be dangerous. But if you are fit, so then you could study it. We'll go a little bit further. The Gemara now, Records the following story: Amr of Yehuda. Yehuda said, "Bram Zachor Osa Ish Latov." The following man should be remembered favorably. Who is it? Chanan ben Chizkiya Shemo. Chanan ben Chizkiya should be remembered for good. El Malihu. If it wasn't for him, Nigna Sefer Yecheskel, we we would have not concealed uh, the book of Yecheskel. We would not have studied it. Why Yecheskel is so difficult? Shahu Devarim Sosrin Divrei Torah because it contradicts the Torah. And this person, Chanan ben Chizkiya, what did he do? Maasa Helulo Shlosh Meos Garbe. Shemen, he they brought him three hundred barrels of oil so that he would study it day and night. And he, and he studied in the upper chamber in the attic, and he expounded these verses so that it wouldn't contradict the Torah. So this person was able to save the book of Yechazal. And we have another. The, moving on to thirteen eighty six, there's another incident also that's brought down. Tanur Rabbanan taught in a brisa. There was a child The child was reading the, this, these parts of the book of Yechazal. So the same story that from the word Chashmal that he was studying, a fire went and burnt him. They wanted to to hide the Sefer. It was so dangerous to study. And Hanan said, don't get rid of it. Don't get rid of it just because uh, he, this child, it was dangerous for this child. It doesn't mean that it's dangerous for everybody and others could still study it. This child happened to be brilliant enough that it really made an impact, that it burnt him. Others aren't as mature to contemplate it with getting hurt. Others won't get hurt. And so he saved the Sefer Yechazkel, the book of Yechazkel, in that way. So we are at the bottom of page Yud Gimel Amadalf, the first side of, 
of Chagiga 13, and we will continue with other aspects to this story of the of this uh, image of the Meisner Merkava in the next recording.